0: to be back with you all. Um, I think it was here in the spring last, I think, so great to be together. Um, Yeah, I just, before we get into the word, I think a couple of thoughts that are just ruminating in my heart are, number one, you know, you as a church have been really well led um, for the last, you know, 40 years. And, um, you know, Mac and Jan, they laid down their lives for more than 30 years for you. And um, what I found in the kingdom is that life, um, it's just a kingdom principle that life can't happen unless other things die at times. And so Mac and Jan, they laid down their lives for you for 30 plus years. And the result is a beautiful congregation here. And um, then of course, uh, just getting to know Nick and Sarah, you know, they have picked up the mantle and you are just really well led by them. Uh, Visiting with Nick and the Senator, um, in his office <laughs> on Friday, besides being overwhelmed by the um, amount of Star Wars uh, <laughs> things there, but just being around Nick and kind of being in his office, my reflection part of it's related to the books that I see on the shelves, but of course, most of it's related to just who Nick is. You know, he's a good pastor. You're blessed. Um, he loves you, he's a good counselor. You know, he's when I think of the five-fold ministry, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, S, shepherd, you've got a good shepherd now that has taken up the mantle that um, Mac and um, Jan passed on to him and Sarah. So I just just some observations from someone who's coming. you know, once in a while, I swing through town, and um, you're just really well-led. So please love on them. I understand October is Pastor Appreciation Month, so... Let it begin. You know, these guys are laying down their lives. So I think there's a lot of warmer places where Nick and Sarah could be, and, they've, and they're here. So amen. I also am just so encouraged by um, this event that just happened Friday. You know, as, as Pastor Nick said, I like building bridges, and not only with the legislative branch. I mean, my goal is really to saturate all three branches of government, state government with the gospel, and so when it comes to the executive departments, you know, they're the ones that are tasked with a lot of the problems in our culture. So I think especially of DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, right? Poor, um, the commissioner, her name is Lori you know, She showed up on the job and then COVID hit. You know? And so um, you know, the last year and a half for her have been quite uh, trying. But when I think about the events like what you just had with the fostering hope, it's these kinds of things. When I can head to DHHS and say, do you know what? Do you know what the Church of Jesus is doing? They care about the things that you are tasked with. You know, foster. It's it's foster care, it's adoption, it's behavioral health. As the governor said to a group of pastors in June, it's mental health. You know, the governor carries 1.3 million people on his heart and regardless of what you or I think of him at any given moment politically, He really sincerely carries that and so he told a group of pastors in June I care about the mental health of the people of New Hampshire what can you church he said to a group of 25 pastors what can you guys be doing about it so I love um, when you guys when the church of Jesus reaches out caring for the least of these that's exactly where we can have these kinds of things that we read about in Genesis when Joseph was tasked with dealing with the biggest problem of the time famine and he got the keys to the kingdom really And I think there's the same dynamic that God wants to have play out over and over again in our times because we know in Christ, like, we have the best answers to some of people's pain, right? Amen? Do you believe that? I think we do. So so I just love being here because you guys are doing it. You guys are living the gospel in such a powerful way. So praise the Lord. Well, let's pray for our speaker today and then uh, (laughs) we'll get into it, okay? (laughs) Lord, thank you for this morning. And thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice. We're glad in it. And as you've already prayed, Lord, we just need your word. And um, as my own experience tells me, you know, sometimes preacher might be over here, but Holy Spirit, you're working something in me way over here. So that's just what I welcome today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you're our disciple maker. You're the one who has got us on your syllabus for each one of us of, you know, becoming more like Christ, entering to the whole process of sanctification. So that's my prayer today, is that as we read the word together, God, each one in this house would be being discipled by the Holy Spirit directly. So, Lord, you let what needs to stick, stick, and what needs to fall by the wayside, fall by the wayside. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So not only am I a Flatlander, truth be told, from just west of Nashua, but I've actually only been in New Hampshire for about a year and a half. And I'm enjoying that. um, To wit, uh, just the other night, taking the dog out for a walk. You know, our days are getting shorter, and um, it's dark out. And I just am blown away by the canopy of stars that I'm under. It's really something that I've never experienced because I've always grown up, you know, suburbs of Boston, Mass, and just where I ministered in Beverly, Mass. So always were there are streetlights and people. So now walking the dog and where we live in Hollis, just again, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> it's absolutely beautiful the scene that I see. You know, I've never seen that many stars. Um, it just revealed to me that moment and um, the calm of it all. The quietness, you know, it's dark, but the stars are just sharp. And I just am like, thank you, Lord, this is so good. My next thought after that is this one, because if you can just nerd out with me, I know Pastor Nick will love this, because we can can do um, galaxy kind of things together. (laughs) But my next thought, when I look at all the stars, I just think, but things are not as they seem. I'm experiencing an incredible stillness, an incredible calm, everything seems, everything seems very peaceful and very at rest to me. But I just am aware of the fact that there's a lot of motion happening in our universe. And so to nerd out a little bit, I had to say how much motion is going on right now? The first fact that I came to was here we are, we're at about, you're at 44 degrees latitude. So you're about halfway between the equator and the North Pole. Do you know that on the earth, Right now, we are moving at about 700 miles an hour, the rotation of the earth around its own axis, like just us sitting here, right? I'm experiencing this calm, peaceful moment, but I know I'm moving fast. That's You know, most jetliners travel at about 550, 560, 600 miles an hour. So we're going, I'm going faster than a jetliner right now as I'm just on the earth with my dog experiencing peace and calm. And then, of course, add to that the fact that our Earth is rotating around the sun. That's pretty fast as well. (laughs) Um, We're actually moving. So right now, our Earth is moving at 19 miles per second around the sun. That's about 67,000 miles an hour. These are numbers that we really can't comprehend, right? And then to add one more fact to that, you know, when you think of the Milky Way galaxy, it's that crazy spiral. So our whole solar system, so our sun, the Earth, the other planets, poor Pluto got kicked out a few years ago. (laughs) But that whole solar system, we are moving around this spiral at about another number that just we can't understand. It's 514,000 miles an hour. Now, it's going to take us 230 million years as our whole solar system to take one swirl around the galaxy. But that's a lot of motion. And I know there's actually more going on than just that. Those are kind of the three basic ones. So things are not as they seem. I'm experiencing total calm, total stillness. But yet, in God's wisdom and creation, we are cruising. (laughs) And what I'd like to suggest today is I'd like to suggest kind of an opposite um, just I want to take that analogy in reverse right now. That right now, you know, the whole, our whole culture is just in uh, disruption, emotion, if you will, uh, a, um, birth pains, if you will. Like things are crazy right now, right? Yeah. Culturally, things are just out of control. You know, a lot of us, were experiencing a lot of fear and a lot of concern because of what's going on. But remember what we learn in Psalm 2. The nations rage, but what's God doing? He's sitting in heaven. He's laughing. He's, he's, he's relaxed. He's not surprised. And so things are not as they seem. And so what I wanna to suggest to us today is, if things are not as they seem, meaning things are crazy on the earth. Culturally, the, the uprising is, is just unbelievable. But what should we, as God's people, be thinking? What should we be believing? How should we be acting if it's true that kind of the stillness that I I experienced just last week walking the dog, if that is more true than the craziness that we're seeing on the world, how should we believe, how should we think, how should we be acting right now? Amen? And I believe God has a word for us on this. And we're going to take it from a situation that the Apostle Paul experienced, where things were not as they seemed. Because we're going to look at Philippians, as we've noticed, and Paul is imprisoned. Most likely, history tells us that he was most likely in Rome. Some people say he was in prison in Ephesus. We're not quite sure, but all the most indicators point to Rome. So Paul's imprisoned in, in Rome, and it would seem that the gospel is chained up. It would seem as if Paul's work is done. But on the contrary. Paul's situation in this Roman prison actually means there's a lot of incredible stuff going on. Amen? Are you with me? Things seem crazy with us, but guess what? God's on his throne. Spirit of God's moving. I think this is the church's finest hour. That's not just a preaching point or to get you excited. I really believe in the core of my spirit. My soul feels a lot of the anxiety that you feel most of the time. But deep in my spirit, I believe because I read the Bible and I have God's spirit, I believe that God knows exactly what he's doing. And with 8 billion people on the planet, he's not just going to forsake us. Are you with me? So Paul's in prison in Rome, and he gets a visit from a friend named Aphroditus. Sorry, Epaphroditus. (laughs) Sorry, we're not doing um, mythology and Greek gods, Sorry. (laughs) My kids are homeschooled, so we're doing doing Greek gods. That's my excuse. It's also why you never know what color things are going to come out of the printer, Um, because we do homeschooling. So um, Epaphroditus comes and gives Paul encouragement from the church in Philippi. That's kind of northeast Greece that he had planted several years before. And Epaphroditus brings both good news and bad news. The good news is the church is alive. I mean, they're, they're, they're kicking. God's good. Spirit of God's on them. But the bad news is they're pretty besieged by divisiveness. They are very divided They have different things that are causing them to uh, faction off. And so Paul's pretty discouraged by this. And so his response is this letter that we have Philippians, that he sends Epaphroditus back and says, okay, bring this message back to the church in Philippi that I love. So it's really as a love letter. It's not as much of a theological treatise as, say, the book of Romans is, but this is Paul's. You know, as you experienced love from Mac and Jan, and now Nick and Sarah, they just love you, and so they're speaking truth and love to you. This is the kind of letter we're reading. We're reading Paul saying, I love you, but, but get in line. <laughs> and again, out of that, we're going to get this sense that things are not as they seem. God's still in charge. So Philippians 1, 27 to 30. Let's read these four verses, and we're just going to walk through them together and uh, see what God does. Paul... Um, Yeah, let's just start. it. He says, only let your manner of life... I'm reading from ESV. Your translation might be a little different, but only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent... Because, you know, Paul doesn't know at this time whether he'll ever be back. I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents... This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have, because he's in prison. Now remember, before this, Paul has said, I know that God's working in you to finish what he started in you, God's sanctifying you. Paul's also said, he's a really he's at a mature moment in his ministry, he said, you know what? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You remember that quote? from It's earlier in Philippians 1. He says, for me, if God has me stick around here, here at the kind of maturing place of my ministry, it's really just for your sake. But honestly, I'd rather be home with Jesus because this is just a little bit insane, right? We can, we can appreciate that. So he said that already, and then he gets to this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm rereading verse 27. Let's camp out here for a little bit. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I love looking at different translations to see how they translate manner of life. Because that Greek word is actually the word paletiuamahi, polit uamahi, polit, which we get the word politics or polis, polis, you know, like the city-state from. So Paul starts out by saying, let your manner of life, let your citizenship, let the way that you engage with the culture around you be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so what I take that from that right away is, for us, hiding our heads in the sand right now is not an option, right? Our world is erupting and all sorts of, erupting and all sorts of crazy. But what is not an option for us is to not engage. Because Paul is saying, let your manner of life, let your citizenship, let how you engage in the culture, let it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then I hear of you guys having an event like you just had on Friday. Um, I'm trying the Fostering Hope. I'm trying to read your your (laughs) t-shirt. The Fostering Hope event, and I say, yes praise the lord because how we engage with our citizens with our citizenship with what's going on in the world around us it matters yes we meet in the temple right acts 4 or acts 2 excuse me acts 2 42 to the end we meet in the temple courts but we also meet house to house where people can see what we're doing you know yes we meet here today we get filled up by god's spirit but we go out as well and we engage in our jobs in our families in our connecting with our you know, whatever your uh, hobbies are that get you outside because people are watching and they want to see what you believe and what you're up to. So it matters how we engage. Amen? Amen. And then you can hear Paul's plea for them to stick together. It says, I want you guys to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving what, against each other? No, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I do have quite a vantage point on the church in New Hampshire just because of the position that God's given me because I deal with pastors from all sorts of different regions. You know, I, I, In my own little world, I've, I've um, divided our, our state into about nine regions you know, that roughly correspond to the ten counties here in New Hampshire. But man, this last year and a half, I think for every pastor, has been a hard year and a half because guess what? You all have some pretty strong opinions about things. (laughs) And this body of Christ in New Hampshire has some strong opinions about things, as you should. I don't fault your strong opinions. My wife and I have our strong opinions also. But what we must not do is we must not allow, as the body of Christ, whatever we think about vaccines, whatever we think about masks, Whatever we think about school right now, and please do be involved in school board. Please run for school board. It's needed desperately today. Please run for your library commission. These are all the places where the battles are being waged. Do be in those places, but let us not, as we wage those battles, as we share our different opinions about things, we must remember first things or first causes, and for us the first cause is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Are you with me? And so we've got, this is a season where the church has to take extra care to not let us be divided on these things. Amen? And that means you'll be inconvenienced. That means you'll be annoyed. I may be annoyed at my own home church's leadership team from time to time. But what I will not do is I will not let our differences about vaccines, masks, schools, all this, I will not let that come to the table. When we celebrate communion together, we are celebrating the lordship of Jesus Christ, the fact that he's returning again, and we who are very different as a people have been made one because we've been reconciled to God, which none of us deserve. Are you with me? So you hear Paul saying, guys, stop striving against one another, but instead get side by side and strive against Ephesians 6, all the principalities and powers of the world that are seeking to steal God's inheritance at this moment. Amen? The battle's on because the costs are high. The battle's on because the reward is high. Are you with me? There's a bunch of people that are coming into heaven in these next years, and the devil's not happy about that. And so what does he do? The devil's business is just mutually absurd destruction, right? That's what he does. And even as I start to think about the, the similarities between now and the 1930s, 1940s, Western world, you know, just we look at World War II and we think, how in the world did that go on? Well, I think history is going to look at us and go, like, how in the world did they let that happen, right? We are in an unusual time. I feel like we're at a once-in-a-century crazy time. We must have courage. We must not be divided as the body. Are you with me? Amen. So, we seek unity through, in Christ, though many things are pulling us apart. We strive side-by-side. Side. That side-by-side side striving is a word in Greek, synthaleo, Can you hear synth like synthesis. We go together and we strive together for the faith of the gospel, right? That's the most important thing right now, the faith of the gospel. Got to come together for this thing to work. Just like tonight at 820, if the Pats are going to beat TB12, they better come together, right? <laughs> we'll see what Bill and the team can do. Or if you're a TB12 fan, we'll see what the Bucks can do. But either side, no matter what TB's, Health is, they've got to pull it together, right? They've got to get against the one enemy together, and they'll work it out. Okay, amen. Let's keep going. Verse 28. <clears throat> and not frightened, so picking up, it's mid-sentence, but a new thought here. So we're to strive side by side. Our, how we engage in the culture has got to be worthy of the gospel. And we are not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. This is pretty heavy, but let's just break it down. We do not need to be afraid right now of those who oppose us, okay? We just do not need to be afraid. I do work for Cornerstone. As Nick said, Pastor Nick said, my main area is relationship because I notice that relationship changes things, okay? Um, I've had meetings with legislators who are absolutely pro-abortion, we still we reach out in relationship with them because Cornerstone could do the you know a two million dollar ad campaign, and I'm not gonna change the mind of some of those people. But in the context of relationship, when I get to know that when they get to meet pastors and they discover, wait, there's a safe place now where maybe in a non-judgmental way I can process these feelings of conscience that I have stirring. I have to believe that for some their conscience is still stirring on this one. So relationship matters. So that's what I do mainly. Sorry, I just like embedded three paragraphs. So that's what I do mainly, relationship. But Cornerstone is a policy organization because policy matters. Well, last spring, we had a great win in the sense that we passed a 24-week abortion ban. It's really a modest ban. But for a state that has had unfettered access to abortion for decades, it was huge. Well, sadly, that is being gutted even by the Republican leadership, okay? So there's not enough people in our Republican leadership who have a a hard conviction about this issue. And so because it's politically expedient, they're about to pass legislation that will take out, will just reverse what we just did last spring. It's very sad. And actually, I'm mad, you know? I'm mad about it. I am mad. But the thing that I have chosen in my heart is that I not need to be afraid of those who are headed this way. I do not need to be afraid. Again, this is when really intelligent, really bright people, and I'm having meetings like Pastor Nick and I just had on Friday with senators, with legislators all across the state, and there's some really bright, really compassionate, compassionate excuse me, really intelligent people, but when they are, are not seeing the fact that the human being in the mother's womb is a human being worthy of a legal status called personhood, you know, that's, that's what we're still fighting since Roe v. Wade you know, over 50 years ago. When they can't see that, I know that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We are wrestling against principalities, spirits, things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God because it's not rational, right? But I will not be afraid. Over and over again in the scriptures we hear, do not fear, do not fear. And so to you and me, I know that we're the cultural like clowns in the room right now, right? Because of things we believe, because we believe that God's the one who made men and women. Because we believe that life begins in the womb. Because we believe these things, I know we're the village idiots, but we will not be afraid. And as we are calmly courageous, that's really the theme of this message today, calm courage, courageous calm. However you want to mix up those two words. As we walk in calm courage, as the word says here, as Paul walked in it, even imprisoned, that's a clear sign to them of their perdition Is the, the real word and our salvation. Of course, we desire that every person have a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? We don't take any delight, as Ezekiel says, God takes no delight in people being punished. But if people do harden their hearts and reject God till their dying breath, they get what they want. And what they want is perdition, right, which is hell. So a little heavy, but our courageous calm is what will be a sign to them that their rebellion leads ultimately to where they want to go, which is perdition. Are you with me? But it's a sign of our salvation. And I love that word, salvation. In Greek, salvation, soteria. It's it's somewhat related to like the concept of shalom in Hebrew, which is not just peace, but it's thriving, it's a fullness. So you and I, we're being saved We're being soteria, meaning we're getting delivered. We're being preserved. We're given health and safety. It's like our souls will thrive. It's our future salvation in which we'll get everything that God wants for us, right? We're very much living in this um, now and not yet reality, right? There's things about me and you that I'm sad about, meaning my own soul has lots of places to grow, lots of wounds, lots of holes, but I know where I'm headed, right? That's soteria. I've been saved, I'm being saved, I will be saved, right? We live in all three. You were saved the minute you said yes to Jesus. You're being saved now. There's sanctification. Paul even refers to it in Philippians. You know, he will complete the work that he started in you. And then there is a day when things will be consummated, right? The marriage supper of the Lamb, when we will come home to Jesus. And all of our pain, all of our tears will be wiped away. We long for that, don't we? I think with Paul, for us to live as Christ But to die really is gain. Amen? Because this world's a little bit crazy. So, our courageous calm. It's a sign of their perdition. And it's also a sign of our salvation, of our being rescued. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. Two more verses. Thanks for sticking with me. Verse 29. For it has been granted to you. I'll explain that a little bit, too. Some nuance there. For it has been granted to you That for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now, this is a theme that Paul takes up in this uh, epistle, but also elsewhere in his epistles. And that is, it has been appointed to us. And the flavor of those words there is like, it's been granted to you as a favor. You're blessed. In other words, the feel of those words is the same feel that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, what did he say? He said, blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now listen, I deal with the fear of man like anyone else. You know, I'm kind of like Cornerstone's good, go- good cop. You know, and I like playing good cop. I do not like playing bad cop. That's our attorney's job, Ian. He does that really well. <laughs> and yet, I have to remember that when suffering comes, personally, when suffering comes because of positions we take, I can, Lord, work this in me by your spirit, but it's been granted to me to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Right? Elsewhere in this letter, <clears throat> Paul says, some of the best passages in Philippians, right? Later in, in Philippians three, he'll say, "I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. For His sake, I've suffered for the loss of all. Excuse me, I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him." And in Colossians one twenty four, Paul says, "I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church." And I would suggest to you today that still, you know, th- the, it, this curtain has hasn't closed yet on human history, has it? So I would suggest that there's still some of us in the same vein as Paul, where we are filling up some of the sufferings of Christ it, for His body until everything's cl- closed up, and it's a gift. You see what I'm saying? Our suffering is a gift. And if you and I can take those places where we deeply suffer, you know, like Proverbs says, only the heart knows its own joy and its own pain. You know, I don't know exactly the places where you are in anguish the most. You know, only the Spirit of God does. Maybe some of your close family and friends know places where you suffer the most or have the most anguish. If in those very places we can say, Lord, thank you. Thanks for the suffering that I'm going through right now because it's my opportunity to know you better. Jesus who died on the cross, intimately acquainted with the worst that humanity could give, intimately acquainted with our suffering. He's a friend. He's the humble king. And where you hurt and where I hurt, that's where Jesus is. And so Paul is able to say, he's granted it to you that for the sake of Christ, we should not only believe, right? We not only get to do this on Sundays. Yay, I hope you're filled up. I hope you experience the presence and the power of God. That's why we're here. But also in those places where we suffer, it's just part of the deal. Okay? It's part of the package. We follow Jesus, and suffering's part of the deal. Amen? Amen? I say that because, again, just going back to our kind of main theme here of calm courage and the stars and the motion, things are not as they seem. We don't need to be surprised by the fact that we suffer because we have the mark of Jesus, right? We know the enemy <laughs> is enraged. Okay, we feel that more. I think, I think more than in my little brief lifetime, I sense the rage of the enemy more than ever because of the, you know, the enemy's given voice. You know, <clears throat> people are, <clears throat> people, human beings, are mouthing the rage of, of the enemy now, right? It's, it's so sad when we see, you know, otherwise, again, normal kind of compassionate human beings all of a sudden get really weird <laughs> in our public sphere, you know, demanding perversion, demanding You know, just rebellion. It's the enemy, and it's the rage of the enemy. But we don't need to be surprised that we suffer because we are set up against the rage of the enemy as ones who carry the righteousness, the joy of Jesus, even in our weak vessels. Amen? Okay, you're with me. All right, enough on that one. Let's do the last verse. So again, we're mid-sentence here, but another thought. So we are engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have, we are engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. And so, kind of going full circle here from the beginning, we we um, we uh, live our lives. We we you um, mea. We engage in culture. We are citizens um, in a way that gives glory to Christ. So we engage in this conflict. We need to stop fighting one another, but we engage in the same conflict that Paul. Um, had and now has. he's in prison because of the gospel. So let us not fight one another. Let us fight the devil. Let us not be surprised that the conflict is on. And as I've said many times already today, Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We must be engaged in the conflict, though. And so what I believe the Holy Spirit would be doing for you right now is instructing you again. This is how I want you, saint, to be engaged in the conflict today. For all of us, it's pray, right? Let us, let us and I'm saying this to myself again. Let us double down in prayer because prayer changes things. We meet with a senator together, and I want to pray for your North Country senator. She's, she's really a lovely woman. You know, Senator Hennessy is a wonderful person. And I love that she is giving her skills, you know, in her case, she has a lot of financial acumen that she is giving for the sake of the 1.3 million people in New Hampshire, not just the 50,000 in her district. And she's really good at it. So let's pray for her. Amen? So pray. And I'm believing that God is bringing to your mind um, family members and neighbors, you know, the battle is on. The curtains will close on human history. Are we praying for our friends and our neighbors, for them to encounter Christ? I have to say this. I just celebrated with my brother, my dad's 80th birthday. We met together last week. We actually went to the Sox-Yankees game on Saturday. They lost, sadly. Sorry, the Sox lost, which is sad. And um, I was really encouraged because there was a discussion about the Bible among the three of us. And that's a discussion that has never happened before. And I can just say, God is on the move. And that's because not just me, but others have been praying. Because God cares. That's enough on that. So who's God calling you to pray for? Speak. Do speak up, you know. Let us be worthy of Christ in our comments in the blogosphere. Okay, if you're online, I'm actually not on a lot of online platforms. Really, it's just out of um, fear. (laughs) Sheer terror and not wanting to deal with all that, honestly. Like, let's be honest with you. Um, but it saves a lot of time, you know. <laughs> but wherever you are, physically and online, let us behave in a manner worthy of Christ. One of the things that I love to um, ask our legislators when we meet with them is, hey, do you feel like the people who name the name of Jesus are honoring to you? So far, pretty good but i think that if i got more legislators more honest with me they'd be appalled actually at some of what comes out of you know here's the christian and here they're cussing them out on you know on the anonymity of you know name your online platform so do speak out do be engaged do show up at the school board meetings but we're talking about calm courage we can make our case clearly we can appeal to human themes we can appeal to god you know that's okay. Not everyone can stomach where you're coming from as far as they might not believe in the same Bible you believe in, but we can have calm courage. We can speak out, but we should do it like followers of Jesus. Amen? I think that's how we're going to get the moral revolution that I believe can happen. I believe a moral rev- revolution can come, you know, I think our culture is going so far down up some bizarre places that I just think this thing has got to implode on itself and come out for God's glory. You know, it's kind of what i believe in. So speak. And do act. You know, do continue to act. As I've mentioned multiple times, God's given me this ministry. Really, it's a ministry of reconciliation. You know, I'm trying to just reconcile people one to the other who otherwise are pretty ticked at each other all the time. You know, church, state, pastors, politicians, you know, left, right. I try to create a space where God shows up. That's the ministry God's given me. How about you? How is God calling you to act at this moment? And I know the the things that I hear from Pastor Nick, from Pastor Mac, and just in my contact with some of you, I just am so honored and encouraged by the ways that you guys are living out the gospel day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year here in Littleton. So let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are called to fight right now. We are called to engage. In the same way that Paul, 2,000 years ago, was engaged in a spiritual battle. But we can do it with calm courage, as Paul did. Calm courage. Let us not lack courage, but let's not lose our heads. You know, There are times to yell. Jesus got pretty mad when he flipped over the table. You know, I, I'm, I don't know how to parse all that all the time when I get angry. I don't usually know what to do with it. It's never usually super productive in my family. So <laughs> I'm, I'm on the journey with you on that one. Let's learn how to do this but we don't need to be surprised or frightened by the conflict that we see. We shouldn't be surprised by the suffering we're engaging in right now because I think like righteous lot, you know that. Second Peter talked about righteous lot. His soul was tormented because of the wickedness around him in Sodom and Gomorrah. I feel that, don't you as believers? Our souls are tormented at times because we're just trying to like we're just trying to say to people, "Hey, life would be better for you if you obeyed God's commandments." You know, that's kind of just what we're trying to say here, and yet we're we are um, we're mocked. Let's stay unified in the gospel, right? Let's keep first things first, Jesus first, as we definitely can work out all of our differences about all the cultural things going on right now. But let's not be surprised. Proverbs 28.4 says this, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against or contend with them. What I'm saying, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Just by virtue of the fact that we want to be law keepers, we're automatically in strife with those who just want to throw off every sense of what is right and wrong. So it's not a surprise. Thousands of years we've known that if we walk in righteousness, we're going to be contending with those who prefer wickedness. You with me? Say Amen. Let's have calm courage. Well, let me pray. It's just it's good to be with you. Let me know how I can serve you. Um, Let's pray for the calm courage, and let's just receive it by faith. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word today. And thank you, Holy Spirit, you're equal to the task. Lord, Psalm 2 says, uh, you know, you you laugh at the um, rebellion of man in a certain way. Uh, You're not surprised by it. And you are sitting on your throne. Revelation says that the sea is like, or, you know, before you is a sea like glass. It's, it's pretty calm. It's pretty peaceful. And even with the thunderings and of lightning and, and uh, peals of thunder and lightning that comes from heaven as a result of the prayers of the saints, God, you're in charge. And so we pray, God, give us the spirit of Jesus Christ, the same spirit that when he, you know, in his Passion Week, he was able to respond with calm courage at every moment Um, answering Pilate at times, not answering him at other times, not answering every charge against him, but just fulfilling his destiny in you. We pray the same thing, God. Let us be found with the spirit of Jesus, a spirit of calm courage, that we would fulfill the destinies you've given for us. Lord, we do pray, continue to give us favor with authorities, um, civil authorities, not to make us feel better, but so that people's pain could be healed. Lord, we think of every child in the adoptive or foster care system in New Hampshire, and we long for them to know the security of a mom and a dad. We long for them to not be victims of the craziness, but we long for them instead to be victors who overcome every obstacle set against them, Lord. We pray for those kind of graces. Let, let this church, let Faith Bible, you know, let DHHS, let there be great partnerships that are for the glory of God <clears throat> and for the healing of God of people and the nations, we pray. So by faith today, we receive that spirit of Jesus of calm courage in Jesus' name, amen.